Welcome to Packer Pushes, the greatest ever data networking podcast. Well, depending on how you monitor it. And that's the topic of today's show. Network monitoring has been in the doldrums for about 15 years, arguably, probably 30 or forever. And ever since I installed HP OpenView back in 1998 or Cisco Works in 1999 or an open source tool which I still love today called NMIS or NMYTH in 2001, I rapidly learned that network monitoring was dump trucks of fail. It was a complete waste of time. The tools that we had were awful. The experiences were bad. And for most network engineers, once you've achieved mastery of an arcane command line interfaces and developed some sort of understanding of the distributed systems that we call routing protocols, you've probably lost touch with reality. You don't know what an operating system is. And then add ITIL and its silo creation rules, which say networking engineers should never touch servers and operating systems. And most people just lost touch with how you could do it. 25 years of networking as a critical system and the best protocols for network visibility that our industry has produced are still SNMP, Syslog and reliable old ping. We use ping and its sister Traceroute for testing availability. We use SNMP for metrics and thresholds and Syslog is our entire data set with nothing else for device information and status that the device is telling us instead of us reading it. That's it. And worst of all, all of this is read-only, unconfigurable, lacking uh, capabilities. But there's hope on site. The last three years of software-defined networking has seen new ways of getting information from our devices. Software has become easier to develop and maintain because it just doesn't require a team of 250 programmers and years of off-site development to get the tools built for the first generation. And we have the cloud. So what I've done is brought together a, a crew of people to talk about this more generally. So with us today is Arvi Friedman, founder and CEO at Kentec, and Bill Beckett, founder and CSO from SISA. Both of these companies are deeply into the network analytics and telemetry basis. And uh, so what I'm going to do is just go straight into the topics today and start talking about it. Now, t- tell me what's the difference between the sort of concept of network analytics compared to what we're doing in network monitoring today. Why is SNMP not enough? As you mentioned, the siloed aspect of Syslog versus NetFlow versus SNMP versus Ping. You've got your NMS. You've got your, uh, you know, up down. You've got your link utilization. You've got your fault management. People that that we see trying to do analytics want to take it as an entire spectrum, a holistic view of what are the, what devices, what configuration of devices, what traffic loads, and how is it all performing from performance and security aspect. This is the holy grail. We haven't seen anyone actually get there, but that's the vision that we see people looking for. Is that the dream of a single pane of glass? It, it's a single pane of glass, and I think the dream is up from the very high-level general VP CEO view of red, green, yellow, mm-hmm. all the way down to deep practitioner tool that mm. tells you when you've got an issue and points you to where it is. Again, the dream, not available today. <laughs> it's a fairy tale. Bill, what's your perspective on it? You know, definitely SNMP and ping traceroute are kind tools. Uh, we all use them, but uh, you know, getting much more insights into our networks through the use of analytics um, distributed throughout a network is uh, almost a, a mandatory item these days to, to get better visibility and control over your networks. I think one of the most crazy things that we don't have is flexible data sources. So what I mean by that is I get SNMP and it's fixed as what I can get. And when I get syslog, I can only get whatever the vendor deems to give me. Or if I'm getting NetFlow data, I can only get a fixed format. I can't dynamically create that data. Is there a reason why that's happening, why it's that way? People learn different things. We get, you know, not a lot of innovations happen. And um, people just keep doing the same thing over and over again. For example, NetFlow was replaced with, with IP fix, and most people... Uh, don't use the power of IP fix. They they just add additional flow data uh, to it instead of leveraging some of the template stuff that it can do, which which can report a lot more data than just individual flow data. It can uh, you know report aggregated flow data. And I think the situation is both less grim than you paint and um, and uh, hopeful. So people, people, uh, <laughs> you're very generous. I'm not. A I am hopeful. more yeah. generous. Yeah. Yeah. So we're de- we're taking data streams from a lot of devices that can do application semantics, that can do network performance and application performance, and encapsulate them over IPFix, uh, NetFlow v9, or even JSON. You know, JSON into Kafka is a modern architecture, which you know we could talk about. Uh, on the other hand, I think the problem is that the vendors. This is the grim part. 
are broken up by product line and don't have a holistic view as much on analytics. And I think they're trying to work on that, mm. but they hear customers of the routers say this and the switches say this and the printers say this and the desktop and the servers say that. And, and it's difficult for them because of their size and because these groups don't often talk to each other to understand what is that superset and then how could you push essentially, this is the data that I want, this is the problem that I'm trying to solve. We only get what SNMP has possible for us. And SNMP was sort of defined in the in the late 80s and standardized in the mid-90s and grudgingly given to us by vendors because they didn't want to implement SNMP because it was hard and it was also relatively expensive in terms of ASICs, right? To make SNMP work, you have to have features in the ASICs or the guts of your device to make SNMP do something. But the SNMP data sets are extremely limited. You really only have, you know, like counters and uh, thresholds and binary on-offs. That's really about it. You don't get to define what goes into an SNMP, it's fixed by the vendor five years before the product comes to market. Or, or worse than that, it's overly expansive and you can query the routing table and crash the device. So I think there's been a lot of uh, movement, both Cisco and Juniper and some other vendors too, away from SNMP for a number of reasons. Uh, now, not as user-definable as you might like, but things like um, QDEPF, um, configuration data, um, the same kinds of temperature and interface usage, and to send it in a streaming way, which is actually more efficient for the device than having a daemon and listening and being interrupted, and maybe send it to all the consumers by, again, connecting it into sending one stream and then all the all the consumers can listen to that one producer. So I think SNMP in particular is going, again, good and bad. Good, away from SNMP. Bad, maybe not as user-definable as you would like, which I, I would well, agree with. Well, I, yep. I'm not sure I want total user definability. What I would like to see is the ability to say, I need these statistics, and then without having to go through some arcane ASN.1 tree. Um, you, know, you know what we see a lot from our customers, and our, our customers are constantly you know, feeding us their requirements. And unfortunately, one of the tick boxes that we always get is that you have to have SNMP, and that's to satisfy you know, some of the dinosaurs, mm. to be honest. What people are looking for more is, is APIs now. And from an analytic perspective, you know, if you talk to 20 different people, you know, they, they want 20 different types of analytic data. And to satisfy everybody, you have to collect thousands and thousands of analytic points. But what you really want to do is just make the analytics available by an API. And that's what people are asking for. Hmm. Well, I guess the value of SNMP is that it defines every vendor can clearly understand what it is they need to present. So the MIB2 as an API is at least rigidly defined and you know what you're trying to hit. So customers don't go asking for weird things that aren't practical to deploy. But, you know, in the modern era where the network is, I, I sort of see that SNMP was defined in an era where getting stuff connected was a miracle. But in 2016, yep. connectivity is sort of assumed and the network has to be adding value by being performant, visible, metrics-driven, able to show what traffic's flying over it in the response times. Otherwise, the network has no value. God forbid we have to learn or memorize some, some more object IDs and some of the arcane you know, architectures yeah. of SNMP that make it, make it really hard to use. Yeah, and I, I think the time of SNMP was maybe after the, oh my God, it's amazing, I can actually connect to something, to wait, these things can actually talk to each other and now I have many of them and I need to understand. Yeah. So the common semantics of it was helpful. And I think one of the risks of each vendor going and doing their own thing in terms of streaming telemetry is it's left then to the customer or the, the vendors on the analytics side to do those mappings and say, mm -hmm. well, this to a Cisco means this and a Brocade means this and a Juniper means this. But if you want to take a look on the promising side, look at if you just Google Juniper protobuf uh, Grafana. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful streaming interface, time series database, extracting data from QFX switches that has more than just SNMP and you're not poking around in the MIBs, but now how do you correlate that with ACI data? So these are some of the challenges that I think we're going to see as the vendors listen to their customers who want, the, you know, additional data beyond just the the interface counters, um, and then that'll be great fun for the analytics vendors to to figure out. So that's one of my big fears is API sprawl. So as every vendor develops their API and makes it inverted commas open. <laughs> yeah open means it, we've got no idea what we should be doing here so we're just going to make something call it yeah. open and hope that nobody's watching too closely but i think we should back up a little bit avi what's a streaming api what's the difference between streaming and what we do with snmp so with snmp 
the client that wants to know some information is connecting to the device, uh, hopefully authenticating, asking for some specific information, the device gets it and gives it to you. Um, with a streaming API, the device actually has a set of information that it could pull, and then a set within the subset within that that it does um, pull internally, and then it sends it out externally on a constantly streamed basis. So instead of, for example, every 30 seconds I ask the switch, the switch every second maybe is sending that data. And it's much more efficient for the switch, router, whatever, to do it that way. Mm. And if you plug it into a, a streaming, you've heard of Enterprise Message Bus or Apache Kafka, there are many systems which you can go and, and apt-get install that let you take that and then have 100 different consumers access it. And then 100 different consumers are getting updated once a second instead of pinging the poor little device that's got an arm thing and you know trying to busy process, uh, busily process routes. So that's a bit like NetFlow, which is constantly streaming data out. Yeah, it's it's like data. NetFlow, but for the inter at the interface and internals layer. All right. So NetFlow data comes. So just to jump left again, and maybe we'll talk about that in the in the next section. But the point is, is that there's data streaming off the device on a consistent basis. The the control plane is packaging it up, sending it out, so it knows what the CPU is going to be. It's not sitting there waiting to receive a request for data all the time. Exactly. It's fixed instrumentation and then a separate lightweight process to send it. And I should say it's more like SFlow, which actually already has interface counters, just doesn't do uh, retransmits and QDepth and things like that. I know your business is based, that Kentec is based on this flow data type of thing. IPv IPfix versus NetFlow is sort of like um, the next generation of it. Is it significantly different from NetFlow for those people who don't know the difference? Well, NetFlow v5 was a fixed structure. Uh, all the other NetFlow versions don't really matter. And V9 and IPFix are almost identical. It's just IPFix has a vendor ID, um, so people don't stomp on each other with these extended attributes as much as they do with V9. Right. So and that's the state of the art for, for Flow, other than, again, moving to JSON or Google Protobufs or other different kinds of encapsulation formats besides, uh, besides ITF, NetFlow, or IPFix. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of additional things that, that you can do with IPFix that, that most enterprises are looking, looking for as well because there's a lot of holes in NetFlow in, in terms of what it reports. It basically reports a traditional IP5 tuple, and people want to know a lot more about their flow data. You know, every, every flow tells a story, and it tells you know, very interesting stories that the more data you have about you know, who that flow belongs to, what, yeah. what actual, actual Layer 7 application it is what geolocation it came from, and, and many other analytic points can be stuffed into IP fix formats to re report on you know, far more, more data than a five-tuple. To give you an example, let's say you're running NProbe on a server. One flow record can have the five-tuple, the extra security-like things like TCP flags and all that, the process ID, owner, memory size, disk activity of the process that generated that, the DNS query, if it's a DNS query, the DNS latency, the network latency, if it was a TCP session, all can be encapsulated in IPFIX. Um, today, it just depends on what the software, where you're getting that data from, what the endpoint device supports. So if I'm just looking at it from a network device, so if I've got a traditional hardware-centric router hop-by-hop view of the network, I would want to see the flow, but in the flow data, not only do I want to see the five-tuple, source to IP, destination IP, source, source port, destination port, and the data size in it. I also want to know what port it was received on, what port it was sent on, what was the size of the queue buffer on the output port, um, you know, was there any packet drops across the crossbar, or across the ASIC, etc. These sorts of things could be wound into the IPv fix flow. They, they could, absolutely. Cisco AVC already does some of that decode. I don't think – and they'll do the interfaces. Mm. I don't think you're, they're yet doing the queue depth and drops, and mm. that's what I would like to see come from the streaming analytics side, which is the SNMP replacement, and go into the flow because, frankly, it would be a lot less work for us than having to put them together, which is where we are today. So. Mm. We do something uh, that our customers have been asking us for that's very in, in line with that, and – it, it all boils down into some of this the talk about streaming analytics and, and how that falls into NetFlow and, and what are some of the, the issues or taxes on top of NetFlow and our, our IP fix. And a lot of customers you know, can't afford to have you know, all the streaming analytics go across their network, and they just want to have intelligent devices that, that will tell it uh, 
you know, when things are, are happening. And if you can put things like, like packet loss, um, our, our round trip times, our other quality of service indications, you know, within your IP fix, you can just literally send, uh, you know, collectors, if you will, um, you know, IP fix data when something goes wrong, like, like when there's packet loss. Uh, and if you include all the information inside your your IP fix, like the user, the applications, and the geolocations, and that it has packet loss and and a, maybe a measurement of that packet loss, you can really triangulate exactly where where just problems are instead of just sending analytics that are going to go into a report. This is you know really streaming something that instead that's, of getting a netflow, and you can see in the netflow records that packets are being retransmitted only after you've analysed the hell out of them. Absolutely. So the device is actually being smart and participating in the troubleshooting by saying, hang on, I can see this packet loss. This packet loss is related to this flow. I can see that my queue buffers are here, so I'll start sending IPv6 data around that flow. So well, it's actually well, even, proactively configuring itself, or is that just a dream today? You're absolutely right. It can't be just a, a raw counter because a raw counter is absolutely meaningless in term, terms of packet loss because it's, it's a relative thing. Hmm. You know, I could have a million packets lost, but if I sent two trillion packets across a jumbo or elephant flow, it doesn't really mean anything bad. Mm. So you need, you need to be able to send relative analytics uh, you know, based on flows and based on higher level things that, that's actually a, a real relative measurement to the traffic that's been sent. You know, like a I could imagine that our devices would get much smarter, that they would start reacting to this. They would start to have DPI type features and see that a flow or data source that's moving across it is degrading and then automatically self-configure itself to start ejecting data around that stuff. Is that a, something that's on its way? Absolutely, and, and it, it is available today. You know, to be able to, to actually you know, have real actionable alerts. You know, we, we've been talking about this forever. The whole you know, purpose of gathering these data is to have actionable actions and alerts. Well, those actionable actions and alerts should, should be happening at the sources where analytic data is processed. And to be able to react to them. So if you have, I have sales guys all the time who use WebEx to talk to customers, which are our most valuable asset. And if, if WebEx has an issue, then my customers can't hear what I'm saying or we're going to have a really bad presentation. If WebEx is detected to have a high uh, you know, network degradation or, or, or some type of network distress, then the salespeople should know, know about it. And you should be able to you know, inform them. Maybe they need to look at another tool, uh, or maybe we need to look at another route uh, automatic. I think you're going to see that more from the vendors like Bill and I, the SD WAN companies who can put that logic in there and run, you know, a little bit less than the entire internet. I, I don't think it's in the major router switch vendors' uh, roadmaps for the next few years. But absolutely, and I'll put in a plug for Bill's company. That's something that they're that they do actually can do sitting in line. Some of the SD WAN companies, um, the WAN optimization companies, have been doing it for a long time. We think that can also be done by taking the streaming analytics and then programming devices back. And I'll mention one of one of our competitors, Live Action, mm. has done intense integration. Just raised a big round. Done intense integration with Cisco on the you know QoS pushback side. I don't right. think that's in Cisco's roadmap, but it's certainly possible, whether it's at the edge or, or more centralized approach. But I don't think it's going to be, unless Cisco buys a live action, I don't think it's going to be Cisco or Juniper doing it, because imagine a bug there. And of course, there's never bugs in router software, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> imagine that happening you know, in yeah. every major backbone router. Now the internet could have. So last week, we were at um, the Ruba Atmosphere Conference. In, for 2016, and they were talking about their Wi-Fi, their new generation Wi-Fi Wave 2 access points. And those devices are now getting fully active about doing sort of a deep packet inspection capability, deep flow data stuff, and then forwarding it into the Aruba controller for analysis. I think it's the edge. You're going yeah. to see that kind of innovation at the edge because yeah. it's actually really super effing hard to do it at the core. Well, I don't think it makes any sense to do it at the core. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't scale the core to produce data, I mean, trying to produce flow records off a core switch, the best we can do is sample one in a hundred flows or one in a million flows on those core routers. And you can't load up those machines with anything but IPv forwarding and keep them reliable and stable, I don't think, and cost effective. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I agree that you, you, you need to have that, those functions at the edge and they, they're the most practical there. 
the great thing about putting things at the edge is that this is all IP and, and, and predominantly TCP. And TCP, hmm. you know, has a closed loop architecture. So you could, when you get to the edge, you're seeing a flow that, that's traversing countries and continents and oceans and everything hmm. else. And you're able to, to see that going through the core. Um, and, and when you really want to drill down into analytic points, uh, you need to get that close to the edge so that, that when you are troubleshooting, uh, you might want to drill down to some raw packet capture or grab some other type of data. I think the core of the network should be reserved just for forwarding packets. Uh, absolutely. Or increasingly, it'll just be wave division multiplexing. You know, What about um, things like deep packet inspection or other types of data sources? Like, let's focus on those devices before we start talking about wrangling the data. If I've got these boxes at the edge of the network, whether they're Wi-Fi, APs, routers, um, so I say appliances, you know, or whatever it is that you're going to put at the back of that, at the edge of the network, or, you know, wherever the, your control point happens to be, is DPI really what it is? Is that what we're doing? Is this the new DPI, the deep packet inspection? DPI is just a, a feature, Greg, and uh, it, it's a necessary feature, but it's, 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 it's a feature that, that helps us get a little more data about, about sessions. There's, there's multiple ways uh, to get that data uh, other than DPI. You know, a lot of traffic is being encrypted now, so we need to be able to, you know, look at the behavior of, of flows and get a lot, a lot more information than just DPI uh, allows us to. For instance, we might, hit, you know, if we have a, an encrypted flow and we can't get the signature uh, exchange and, and find out the web owner, uh, we might just pull a DNS query right off the wire to associate to that. You have to pull user information and, mm. and DNS information. Uh, maybe you have to look at the behavior or the, the flow to help identify it as well. So you can't. Uh, so what you're saying there is you can't just use flow data. You have to find metadata around the around it to make it relevant and useful. Yeah. So so you can find uh, a URL or you can find uh, you know a signature that says this is going to be a G711 voice call. Hmm. But if that G711 voice call is taking more than 71 kilobits, and you know you have a big problem if you have a G711 call that's taking, you know, two megabits or 10, 10 megabits or more across your wire. There's something funny going on. Well, I think the other thing too is what you really want is not the fact that there's a G711 voice call running over 150 milliseconds, which is over the jitter budget, say, or the latency budget. What you actually want to know is who's making the call. The metadata is the key, I think. Absolutely, all the all the data that you can get up there, and like I said I, I hate to keep saying the same thing, but mm. every flow does really tell a story, and the the, the more data uh, and that you can get off the the flow, the more complete your story is. Um, yeah, and I I would agree. I think DPI is one of the kind of augments that we think going on the flow. Broadly speaking, you ask about you know in terms of data sources, it is this kind of streaming telemetry, the superset of SNMP. Um, uh, the kind of flow, which is traffic went from here to there, and now let me tell you other things about it. And we think about that as DPI often means security, but also thinking about that from a um, thinking about that performance and application and network performance. And unfortunately, there's things that are very performance oriented, like uh, Citrix load balancer that you can get you know performance data from. There are things that are very uh, security oriented and some of them are bro and snort and things that doesn't they don't tell you it's flowed but you could put it into that kind of representation some of the dpi blades are more on the security side ultimately it's traffic went from here to there who was it what were they doing mm. did it work um and uh you know again in some sort of streaming format and this is just an evolution people are working on you know what we're seeing from our customers more and more is that they're using their network visibility and analytics to augment their, their security. And that, that brings in a whole bunch of things that you have to think about when you look at analytics and visibility. For example, when, if, if you're trying to augment your security with the, an analytic solution, you need to overcome some hurdles, like overcome the sampling issues with NetFlow. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And you need to be able to see all of the data. The, at the airport, they don't scan you know, or x-ray you know, one in 10 people or one in 1,000 people. You need to check everybody. I just had a customer you know, talk about being able to baseline the number of active sessions that is, is on their, their network and correlate that to the amount of capacity that was also on the network and the number of users that were active on the network and to use those three different analytic points of their network to determine when, when there was uh, an anomaly on their network that more specifically that they, 
there was a high probability that they were under attack. Uh, I think that is a uh, topic for a different podcast, but I will say that I very much agree. Mm. My investors don't like me to talk about it, but uh, and as CEO, <laughs> there's different people you sell these things to, but it really is all the same thing. If you, can, you can take analytics any way you want. The question is, what do you do with your analysis? Like, at the moment, we're just, we're just finishing up the discussion around implementation factors um, in terms of you know, SNMP and syslog and – uh, NetFlow and IPv Fix are all great tools, but what we really need is the better tools that have come out from Google, like this Protobuf, um, and using tools like NetConf to actually dynamically configure the streaming data that you want. Now, uh, we've talked about NetConf and plenty of other places, no need to go into it here, but basically, NetConf is a way to define models that the router can accept as configuration data. And it could just as easily configure the streaming templates that we've talked about as it can an interface or a routing protocol. And the question is, what do you do with that data once you've got it? Which is probably the best way to segue into the next section, which is where we talk about data wrangling. If you've got this data streaming off your firewalls or your routers or your you know, access points, whatever the edge point is that's collecting it, SD-WAN's another good one. It really then comes down to what do you do with the streaming data? How do you analyze it? What do you do with the analytics? Is it, Avi, is it fair to say that it could be equally a security analytics, which means you're looking for security patterns, you know, exfiltration, stuff like that, or it could be network monitoring and visibility, like telling you what's happening in your network. Is that are they the same thing or just two different approaches using the same technologies? Well, there's actually probably four or five, okay. right? There's there's operational intelligence, which means business intelligence. What does this mean to the business? There's the efficiency and planning and, you know, plotting the network and, and how is it doing and how should it expand? There's performance in terms of, you know, the user, there's the security, and there's probably a couple other use cases that, you know, the quants haven't even, uh, you know, told us yet. Mm. But it is, the, I think it is the same data. And, and I think then the question is, how do you, what are the business uses to which you want to put that data, and can you get the groups together to at least have one back end um, and talk to the vendors in a coherent way um, so the vendors can can implement the uh, the telemetry that we want uh, to drive all those things but that that's the holy grail is one sort of meta platform that lets you ask all these analytics questions so the the dream is in network monitoring for the last twenty years has been the single pane of glass. That will show you everything about the network. And, of course, we actually know the single pane of glass is more like a stained glass window. There's lots of little panes of, <laughs> lots of, little panes of glass that nominally make a useful window. Maybe not a very useful one because it's very fragile because it's only got bits of lead holding the glass together. Metaphor's quite good, I think. But, but, um, but it's not just network analytics, right? It's subscriber, which now gets into – and content analytics, like optimizing the revenue across your network if you're a wireless carrier. On the security side, it may be – files that people are accessing and exfiltration. So I think the network analytics is a, a stained pane. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> that image will live with me. Right. Um, uh, you know, in a bigger pane of glass or really a, a XYZ dimensional array of things that the yeah. enterprise overall. So what you're saying is instead of having a single pane of glass and then each pane being individual and being a separate data source. Well, for example, today it's not uncommon for a router to have five or ten different software packages polling its SNMP agent. Right. And extracting data. What you're saying is it'd be better to have the router ejecting the data once to a, mm-hmm. a shared platform and then build a bunch of analytics software on top of that to analyze the same data. Exactly. And, and then what's the data back end? That's something people are working on. What are the problems? That's something people are working on. Who uses it? That's, you know, this is all mm-hmm. evolving very rapidly. It feels like being an ISP in the 90s where we really don't know what the world's going to be like next year. And I think that's sort of fun. Can I just use that as a moment just to. Uh poke a little bit of fun at, at your opening remarks even uh, regarding SNMP and mm-hmm. ping and trace route and because you're you're just talking about you know how do we troubleshoot our networks and whatnot and and I think we've all done that before where where we get a call from somebody and the next thing we do is is try to ping a device and and telnet to it our shell to it and look at rolling counters and figure mm-hmm. out it you know what's wrong with it and it, it and it has nothing to do with the fact that somebody just said their email's not working in New York. And you should always be able to do very intelligent questions into your network. Um, it, it, and it'd be a dream to do so. And, and I think that their tools exist to do that today. Where when, when you know, Bill calls, you can say, you know, show Bill and actually query and figure out what yeah. Bill is up to. An analytics standpoint, you should be able to kill Bill too. Yeah. Right? Well, I think the point is- you're trying to make there is that 
really, from an operational point of view, when, when Sarah from HR rings up and says, my printer's printing slowly, you should just go in and say, show me Sarah's traffic. And then, Absolutely. And then you should be able to say, where is Sarah? And it shows you that she's got four hops across a WAN and the hop four is actually having congestion and that's where the problem is. Or Absolutely. at least from a networking point of view. And, of course, the, the holy grail would be, of course, to show that the printer's actually run out of paper. But who cares about that? She shouldn't be using a printer. Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, think, I think all this analytic data is, is being used by a lot of different people, and they all require different things. When you when you see uh, and you know critical application that's not behaving uh, correctly, it you know you need to inform some people um, and and let them know that um, you know whether they're the people who are going to go fix it or they're the users of the, those applications. So, uh, if we were to build a, a data lake of network telemetry data, right? Just and and now I've got petabytes worth of you know flow data and and metadata established around that flow how Avi because you you sort of alluded to that I want to drill into that a little bit how would you get multiple analytics engines to extract that data is there a way we could have one data pool and then share it to multiple applications or is that unlikely for the foreseeable future I think it is going to happen it is something that people are already doing for some subset because ultimately I think a lot of people have the vision and then you get there, uh, you know, in pieces rather than killing yourself. You can't get there all at once. Mm -hmm. And I would dig that back in one layer deeper, which is, I think right now, the big data, data sources, the data stores and the vendors that you have uh, from legacy all the way up to, to um, next gen um, don't all integrate. Don't all do live real time as well as historic you know for years so the first level is get all the telemetry into the modern version of an enterprise service bus and we see apache kafka really winning there and it can be json it can be protobuf it can be captain proto um it can be any of those things and then in front of that you'll have your streaming database like a druid or a pipeline db mm. you'll have your columnar store more like the kind of thing that that we use uh internally or like in, uh, impala or drill um, you might even have a Teradata for where you've got business intelligence and you're pulling pieces of it out. Mm -hmm. and I think it is like what you're talking about, Greg, a little bit of the subscribe mm -hmm. where you say with Kafka, you, you put all these things in and then the user says or the application says, here's what I want out of that. And then they only get the pieces that they need. So it's the it's the how do you split it? And then today it's more specialized data stores because those data lakes are not fast enough to drive real-time analytics typically. So you're talking about accessing the data. So if you create a lake yeah. of network telemetry data, you've then got to be able to access it and analyze it. And that's why tools like – and you're saying – what was it? Apache? Apache Drill. Apache Drill. So there's a, there's a granddaddy hmm. called Google Dremel, D-R-E-M-E-L. And then Apache Drill, Cloudera, Impala are systems modeled on that. They're a little bit slower than I think works well. And of course, it's great to turn this into JSON, but you're turning our beautiful binary data into big bloated ASCII, and then you have to deal with it, and it's a little bit slower. So we have a little different religion on, on how you should do that. But yeah, those, those are systems that people use for sort of online, mm -hmm. but their queries take seconds, and if you need to do something in sub-second, they're a little too slow. So then you get to streaming databases, and there's there's yet other kinds of, of data backends that this data will go to. The thing I'm taking away from that is theoretically I could build one of these myself, but it sounds like a, a substantial task. It's not something your average network engineer is going to undertake. Well, I think if there's a corporate initiative – then um, people often do that. I think in the digital enterprise, like we see, a, a lot of people are trying to do it with Elastic or Hadoop or Spark or, or one of those mm -hmm. and trying to watch the commercialism here. But we just go in and say, look, no, this is your fine. effort, I mean, do you, it. This yeah. is your effort, do it, but we've done this. Let us just take those nasty little features that the you, you want to take BGP churn by you know and performance and then look at what part of the network that is. Hmm. Okay, you know we have that. We don't we want to we don't want to threaten that because in fact we don't want to plug in and figure out the business impact of all this stuff because each company it's different. So we just try to saddle in next to that yeah. and say this is the right architecture. Let us hmm. just help with some of the heavy lifting of the that the network nerd network nerd knob turners want. So. Okay, let's drill into that commercially because you guys both are doing this for real, right? So up until now, we've avoided talking about your two companies, Bills from SciSe, which is a network performance and it's got a big analytics capability, and Arvi works for Kentec. So, Bill, how do you analyze this data? How do you make it relevant to me? The way that SciSe analyzes this data is you can think of us 
almost like a distributed uh, NetFlow collector. However, we're sending flow data record to ourselves with IP fixed data. It just never actually goes outside of our box. Right. Um, and, and the reason that we did that is because we were looking to build a platform that could scale to millions of sessions per, per second it, within a single platform uh, and to be able to capture 100% of all, all the data right. uh, and, then, and then act intelligently on that. But we have a twist there, which is a network performance enforcement on top of that. Mm. And so that we can take, you know, literally, this, this might sound a little chest beating, but we can take billions of analytic points, choose just the, the information that is relevant at, at the moment that's, that's causing problems, uh, and stre- stream that relevant data to tools like, like Avi has. Now, one of the things that you and I have spoken at the past is your box often goes at internet exchange points between two carriers where they peer together. And they're using you to track flows and to do compliance or flow management, I guess is the term. Yeah, it can, it can definitely be used in those situations, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just uh, trying to pick something that would be useful to most people. Two networks coming together, you've got no control over the flow, how, how fast the data is exchanged, or to manage individual flows inside the data exchange. So imagine you've got two carriers peering together. You can actually put your box in the middle and start getting A, visibility, seeing at the flow level, and then you can actually do the, close the feedback loop and start controlling flows. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's, there's so many uh, points of analytic data that you, you can get in that situation. Um, you can actually get a, a live BGP, you know, from us in that scenario and get autonomous system num- numbers dynamically mm-hmm. and who they're associated to and then report and act in real time, uh, you know, on a, on a per AS basis, what type of traffic that you're getting. Um, you could also, you know, monitor... Uh, you know, the number of sessions per AS. And so let me compare that to what Avi's doing at Kentech. So, Ken- so with Kentech, we can work with um, edge devices that go all the way down to unsampled. For example, you know, Cisco ASR, Juniper MX can do unsampled. Nprobe is who we've worked with. We're talking to Bill now about potentially working with them. Mm. We take that data and stream it to our data nodes, which can be at the edge, mm. generally are, are, are in a couple replicated data centers. We generally use our cloud, but we can run on-prem for people. It's an interesting architectural question that you have about analytics. And I think Bill and I may be on different religious a- attitudes about this, but mm. I really don't view myself as religious. It's a trade-off. Mm. Do you want the analytics to sit at the edge? And then if there's a network issue, how do you get them all in real time? Or do you want to bring it back and then you're burning network bandwidth? So there's this, there's this trade-off. But then you've got the ability to analyze the entire network, whereas exactly. your approach is you, you get more of – this isn't necessarily completely true. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering how these two products work, go and listen to Priority Q Show 46 when SciSay, we do a deep dive on the SciSay product, and in Priority Q Show 71 when we do a deep dive on the Kentic product. And you can go all the way down the spiral of how these guys work. So I'm generalizing here. What I'm sort of saying is that SciSay is this – you put it in a control point at your network where traffic flows through it, and it can monitor billions of flows. Kentech can sort of, as I understand it, is it can take flow data, syslog data, SNMP data, export it into a, a cloud-type application, whether the cloud is in your network or outside of your, your company. You have a cloud platform, and then you can munge that together to build an entire end-to-end picture of every point in the network with the different type of data source. Exactly, and what we've built, is basically the th- is the thing for the network analytics that we didn't see commercially is the hybrid streaming versus long-term data leak in RAM on disk to be able to answer questions about DDoS from the sub-second. Mm. Um, not quite as fast as Bill's stuff mm. does, but uh, fast enough to deal with the volumetric and some applications attacks, all the way to the trending and projection into the future, peering analytics, customer cost, and things like that. But also rollback. I can go back and play back something exactly. that happened a while ago yeah. um, because you've got yep. a lot more storage. I mean, an appliance in place has got a lot of storage, but it's not an infinite amount of storage, and theoretically the cloud is an infinite amount of storage. Well, actually, the, the history of this was I was doing high-speed packet sensors, um, something for which we, we work with NTOP on now, and everyone that bought them were security groups and carriers that said, wait, we need to store this for three years. What do we do? I don't want to buy more appliances to store my appliance data to have diapers under the appliances for my appliances. You know, I, I've got <laughs> yes. these big... I've got these big data requirements, but if I put it in Splunk, you know, we'll have to, you know, issue a secondary IPO to 
pay for the money to pay yeah. Splunk for this. What do we do? Yeah. So um, there's nothing quite so expensive as a Splunk deployment. For yeah. raw data. I mean, I think what they've done well is monetize to be that unifier of the business. What is the business impact of that? Mm, mm, mm. Right. And so, so that's at the, at that level and the open source just isn't quite there in terms of doing it. Or as Bill said, you know, BGP, right. We take the whole BGP ass path community string. Um, you know, it's just, these are the network nerd, nerd knob Turner features that are really important. For example, you have a global network, like our kind of customers generally, um, can do unsampled, but sampled is fine because they're running terabits of traffic or you know mm. 10 gigabits per location. Let's say you have a network that's 100 routers globally running next hop self everywhere. So your flow is going to give you a next hop that just points to the next router, but ultimately you want to know where does it actually go. Yeah. Well, now you need to build a BGP mesh. Now imagine every enterprise trying to figure out how to do that with XABGP or Quagga or Zebra or whatever. I mean, so there's there's always specific features where I think vendors, um, you know, can come in and help even with these companies that do want to build it themselves. Mm. You just have to be compatible instead of saying, oh, no, we are our own island. I think this comes back to this metadata versus data question. You can have all the flow data in the world, but until you have the metadata – BGP autonomous system, source IP, destination IP, DNS lookup, URLs, and then you turn that into something, and then you extract data from other systems like Active Directory or, you know, um, the internal company directory to say all of the traffic from this is belongs to this this division, you know, or you know, is this flows coming from outside the network from our MDM? So what's all of our smartphone traffic? Well, how do you identify that? And you've got two points. One is you've got to have the data, and you also have to have the metadata. And what does this mean to me? Yes. Well, no, that's the analytics part. Once you've got the metadata, which says, you know, gives you the context in which the flows come from, you've then got to say, how do I make this useful? Give me a dashboard which says, show me everybody in human resources what their smartphone's doing, and then start challenging me with, you know, what's the analytics, what's the performance of that data, or how many, you know, is there a DDoS event going on in that subset of people? Is that. No, I agree. You know, what does it mean to answer? What does it mean to me? You need to know who I am and what I care about. And that's the metadata, right? If you just have the vast amounts of traffic, you need to know how do you want to, what do you want to correlate that with and what kind of questions. Because you can't look at an IPv6 address and have it stuck in your head what that means. And I think that the the metadata that you're you're getting, it's it's derived through inspection and measurement and it's derived through correlations. You can't send. Well, I guess and it's it, not just data that you can send. It's also data you can correlate or get. So inside of, a, inside of a carrier, there's actually not much metadata you can get, like except for geolocation data. But inside an enterprise, you can get their Active Directory name from the you know through DDNS and the IP address. You can get uh, the private geolocation databases. You want to see something the New York office instead of 10.1.10.1, you know, and, and be able to build those types of databases. Avi actually really hit it on the head too when he started talking about, but, but one thing that he missed is that in that 100-site network, not all the sites are the same and, and there might be different needs for different sites. A site that's connected to 10 gig WAN in, in the United States, dreaming data about every single flow at that site, uh, you know, might be doable. You know, it cert- certainly can be done on our product and we could turn it on the to stream, you know, one flow record per per flow, uh, if we can find a tool that'll in, ingest that. But if I have you know ten sites sitting in South America and I'm paying twenty five dollars per megabit per month for those connections, I'm sure not going to want to stream all the no. the data across there. <laughs> yes. And I want to be very very selective about what I do send. And yes. and when I do send stuff, it's got to be because stuff's hitting the fan and people are are going to be. Call me, tell me things are wrong, and I want to know right away. So, so just stream the data when, when you see something. And I guess wrong. that's the trade-off here is you know the the cloud approach building the data lake assumes that there's bandwidth from the edge of the network to the core, and your approach doing it on appliance is more applicable for that use case where bandwidth is scarce resource, as you said in Brazil or certain well, countries which have limited bandwidth. South well, Africa. So, yeah, yeah you should be able. You know, you should you should have um, something at every site that that has a hundred percent visibility into everything, and then you know, stream is configure it to stream on a on a location location basis. Stream configure it to stream as much as you can afford to, mm. as much as it's not painful, and then make all of that analytic data available on demand. Mm. Um, it, you know, our our philosophy is 
you know, collect a billion things and let people choose the eight that they want available through streaming and the ones that they want available on demand. So how would you do it, Avi? Overarching, we agree. As I mentioned, we want unsampled as an input source. We want the DPI, the performance DPI. It's just a question of what makes sense, who's the user, and what kind of questions are they asking and when. So what we do in our architecture, we run a query. It can run against the data sources that are anywhere. Usually they want sub-second response to data across their entire global infrastructure from one place. Hmm. And if we actually have to federate that query out, then we've got questions of timeouts and do I give a 95% answer? And for a lot of the NetOps folks, um, it winds up being worthwhile even just to send a sampled stream uh, from South Africa, from Australia, from all their different locations. But we have some customers that deploy and send all their data in Western Europe to Western Europe, all their mm. data in Asia to Asia, and even configure it so even if they lose vast amounts of, of intercontinental, they can run queries against all the analytics against that regionally. So I, I think it's a continuum. I think we do agree, disagree about some. The thing is that there are some situations where one approach works and there's another situation where another approach works. It's like everything. It depends, trademark. I, I, you know? Absolutely, it depends. <laughs> so it's not that one's better than the other, I think, in this case, although sometimes, you know, very rarely yep. in networking is one clearly, obviously better than the other. All solutions usually work in some context. That's that's really the point I was trying to drill into here is that, yeah. and that's why I got both of you on the show is to try and highlight the difference between the two approaches and say, you know, there's more than one way to do this and pick well, the one that works best for you. Right now, from a monitoring perspective, you see things kind of on two ends of a spectrum. You know, you have these, these tools that, you know, can go out and record wire data and just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm yeah. the NSA and I'm going to capture every packet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to store it and I'll take 55 analytic points across that if I miss one, it doesn't matter because I got it. I got the raw packet stored, and I'll just add another analytic point when and somebody go over needs the data it. Data again once I need. Well, it. well, there's a there's a huge cost, uh, you know, trade off there, and that and that, you know, that that's an idealistic thing. But you you can't record everything that happens on your network, or, or we need infinite storage and infinite cost. But then there's another side of that where, you know, the the tr- traditional kind of you know turn on NetFlow, sample it, and just send sample data you know, to a collector somewhere and get one in, in a thousand or one in 5,000 flows. You know, that's a really inexpensive uh, solution, but you kind of get what you pay for. And yeah. there's really been for a long time a, a need for something that's somewhere in the middle of that, that has very granularly definable metrics for what you want to stream. At this site, stream me all the flow data. At this site, Streaming only data every time I see a high high degree of well, that's what lock. I was talking about earlier with the configurable telemetry. I want to be able to that's, say this is what I want to know about, and then suck that out. And what you're saying is there are devices such as yours which keeps all the data anyway on the box, and you can then still fetch it if you need to. But for absolutely. me, it's that configurable telemetry that matters. That idea of saying it's not enough to say here's your fixed data source, choke on that, because that's all you're ever going to get, right? Yeah. We were just talking to Avi. Uh, We've had discussions where, you know, instead of sampling uh, flow data, I can send, you know, Avi's tool, all flow records for flows that send more than a megabyte of data that last longer than three seconds. There's a large number of sessions on, on a network that been in, you know, open and closed in, in two milliseconds or three milliseconds. Yeah. And, and there's not a, a, a lot of useful analytic data I'm going get, to get from them. In fact, I might end up tracking more analytic data than the, the actual raw data um, well, you can, yeah. where you have I 5 mean, million. It's, it's just that question of configurable telemetry. And it's that flexibility that I really wanted to drill in here. It's the fact that I don't just have to choke on what I get, which was defined by some standards body 35 years ago in their infinite and undying wisdom and apparently can never be changed. And even if it can be changed, the vendor creates something that works for them, not doesn't work for me as a customer. Yeah, we see enterprise wanting exactly that. So we can all talk about the the usefulness of keeping and storing PCAP across your network forever. But it is a requirement for a lot of security people, at least for a period of time. But as the volumes grow, that they have Mm. PCAP, 
Um, and whether it's on an infinite buffer that just rotates every two hours or a targeted basis. And this is where I think we are seeing some configurability. Mm-hmm. The stack we've been working with, which uh, you know, is, the, is the NTOP uh, stack, what, what, what Luke has been working on is 100 gig sensor, unaugmented flow for everything, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even sampled, again, as Bill said, for ICMP per slash 24 or whatever. But then have policy about these are the kinds of things that I want to do. I, I want to do augments for. I want to do GPI. Oh, it's Netflix? I don't care. I, don't store PCAP. It's Netflix. I can see it's their AS. The certificate says Netflix. I don't care. And then be able to actually have PCAP. And I think there are a lot of security. This is more in the security space, though. But we've seen 20 global enterprise that send unsampled NetFlow back over their global backbone, or maybe they'll have regional collectors. But they always keep PCAP at the edge. The challenge has been they're all trying to get away from $200,000 appliances and say, how do we do this so we can do it ubiquitously? $200,000 per site. Yeah. Yep. You know, which doesn't always scale, and and they still have a finite capacity. You know, you're forever uploading the hard drives. You can you can also put those into uh, you know other areas that we were uh, even been discussing just now, like like the, the uh, you know actions actionable analytics. You know, the, you can change the depth of reporting based on things happening. You know, we talked about show bill and kill bill. Uh, well, how about you know just capturing you know some some flows automatically based on some analytic event instead of always trying to, you know, store 20 petabytes of data uh, capture. Yeah, on that. triggered capture is a big one. You know, like this is what we come back to with this dynamic events definition, which is if I see this, then do this. So start taking yeah. deeper. Or You can use all these tools in harmony. We said that several times there's no religion on this, but yeah, you can sit out there at the edge and, you're, you know, right there you, you have billions of analytic network analytic points to look at and, and trigger on as you said, do some further step. Um, but then as you send that, those types of things up to tools uh, like, like Kentex, Kentex might see some other things happening from, from other devices as well, you know, send actions back down to me and, and tell me, hey, Bill, or, you know, hey, Saisei, uh, you know, go, go block these addresses or go yeah. reroute this WebEx traffic to, to a link that actually works sure. on. All right. Well, I think that's just about it for today's show. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us to today. Avi, please tell people in the audience a little bit about where they can find you on the internet and where you work. Uh, I am CEO at uh, Kentech.com, a reformed network janitor now trying to uh, spread uh, great solutions on the analytics side. It's uh, www.kentech.com, K-E-N-T-I-K. We've got blog on there. I'm Avi Friedman on Twitter, A-V-I-F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N, and uh, Skype, and avi at kentic.com if you'd like to send email. And Bill? Yeah, I'm uh, Bill. I'm the, the founder and chief strategy officer at Saisei Networks. Uh, you can find us at www.saisei.com. If you go to our website, I recently published a white paper called uh, Next Generation Network Analytics. You can reach me direct at bill at saisei.com, and we have a Twitter feed uh, just at Saisei Networks. And just for the record, that's saisei.com is S-A-I-S-E-I.com. This has been a Packer Pushers podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Rate us on iTunes and spread the love. We would really appreciate it if you do that. Rating us on iTunes is the best way for us to grow the audience and get more people to join us. You can also follow us on Twitter as at Packet Pushers. Find us on LinkedIn. Like us on Facebook and so on and so forth. All that stuff. If you've got any questions or comments about this show or anything else on your mind, send an email to packetpushers at gmail.com or leave a comment on the show show notes at packetpushes.net. And finally, remember that too much networking would never be enough.